Good evening. Today I'm speaking to Dawn. Hiya Dawn, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thank you for inviting me Donna. I'm Dawn Bolton. I live in Knoll near Solihull and I have had a slightly unusual life in that when I was a student we lived on a boat. My husband and I got married and lived on a boat and recently we have done an old cottage up which was a pub. So it used to be called Kixley Tavern. We live in Kixley Lane and it's now um, a 19th century house that's been modernised. I used to be a lecturer in law and economics, mainly law, and that's where I got a lot of the um, inspiration for my books. I've written quite a few, a few crime and romantic suspense books with quite aspects of forensic psychology and the other thing is I did study history for many years so my other interest is history and I've written a number of historical novels as well so that, that's my background. Uh, did you always want to be a writer? Do you know when I was about four, um, 10 I think I did actually I was given some things to write and I enjoyed writing and I remember when I went to university I spoke to one of the girls and she said you'll never be a writer you're not good enough oh and it didn't stop me but my academic career took over and it wasn't until later when I left full-time education and became a tutor that I took it up again so yes I probably did but was too busy before and what made you finally take the plunge and actually go for it properly? What well, did I was writing some stories from 11 plus kids I was tutoring and 11 plus children are very able, very bright, but they're still kids. And some of the stuff they were reading was so tedious. Mrs. So-and-so's garden, vegetable garden, I think, yawn. I mean, there were some good things like Medusa. And I, I was like that sort of horrific kid thing snakes coming out the ears when I was a kid. I, I was brought up on vampires and things, even when I was young I was allowed to watch them and things like that. But th there's nothing interesting for the children. So I started writing my own stories that they liked. And I never published them, although I'm going to. But one day I realised one of the stories would be better for adults. And that's when this one came, uh, a historical novel. Can you see it? Yeah. yeah, the Spy Master's Redeemer. So that's when I started writing adults, and I was interested. I saw the um, Scarlet Pimpernel, old version, black and white, with Trevor Howard, and I remembered thinking how horrible Chauvelin was. What a miserable, sinister, nasty man he was. And then I saw something else where there was a really good hero in it. And I thought, oh, I might write something historical. And that's where the Spymaster's Redeemer came because the nasty, the, the hero is an anti-hero. He's the Spymaster, he's head of a security bureau in a Eastern European country in the 19th century. And he runs the militia as well. And he is a bit like Chauvelin. He's very handsome, though, unlike Chauvelin. 
very well educated, left when he was 16, left home to join the army. And he's ruthless and quite sinister. But he meets this rebel girl, this rebel's daughter, Delia. She's partly psychic. She's an excellent linguist and mathematician. And he thinks he's been, she's been coding and decoding for the rebel army because the Talia of this country is in civil war. So I wanted a hero who was very sinister, but had a good side to him. And that's really how the story is. Can he save her from the hangman's noose? <laughs> Bit of fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> um, out of the different genres you write, do you have a favorite? I think it's probably the crime, probably the crime, although I'm at the moment writing a medieval paranormal mystery and that will bring my history together. Um, but the crime and things like these two, this escape from fear and whisper softly, or oh, you're dead, oh, hold them up again once again. Those two are part of a series called Men of Valour and Women of Steel. And I deliberately called it that because I want the men to be brave, but I wanted the women not to be fluffy. They're hard. They're, some, one is very hard because she's been in jail for five years and it's toughened her up. But they're not fluffy. They're compassionate. They're intelligent, professional women, but they're all getting trouble in some way with the law and um, they that that was that's the one I like most it's about a group of men who've made their money after coming out of the army or other military service they've made their money they're billionaires but they now get involved in crimes and solve them when they see these women in trouble and they're a bit of a shock though because the women are not as I said, softies, and the women are more likely to stab them than be, be <laughs> than love them, and they have to win them over. So they're partly romantic suspense and partly a crime, and that's where the psychology comes in. The other thing I love most is forensic psychology, because this one was based on a real event. My poor secretary, one of our lovely administrators at work, was stabbed one night in front of her door, in the front garden, and she died. And we think she was stalked for a long time by somebody. To this day, I don't think the police have ever solved it. They think they know it is, but I, 15 years ago, they hadn't managed to pin it on this person. But I wrote then a book about a girl who is stalked and she goes to escapes the man who stalks her, goes and works in Indonesia, but her auntie rings her up and says, I'm in trouble. These men are trying to force me to sell my house. Can you, can you come over and help me? As she was a barrister, this young lady, Kirsten. So she comes out of hiding and then tries to find out what's going on. But there's also the lady's neighbor's grandson 
is about is a lawyer himself and he comes along and when the house is burnt they meet and try and out who's harmed the two old people and it's everything she hates is just as bossy and dominant as her previous fiance who's been domineering her for, since she's 17 and they solve this mystery and he has to persuade her whether or not he is a decent guy but he's he's got issues himself he's very much a he's a player who uses women so she's good reason for not trusting him so the crime ones are my are the ones i like and this one i love this is the one that helen asked me to ring up read at one time whisper softly is one of my favorites because this is where a team a psychologist um a fbi profile profile i can't say where it'll come out in a profiler and um, a forensic scientist, FBI profile, and a detective in this team have to find out who the serial killer is. And if you like Silence of the Lambs, this is this sort of film. There's a serial killer stalking women and knocking them off, killing them, but he takes a body part each time. And can they find him before her before he finishes what he's doing and does a vanishing act? So that's where my psychology I love. I love writing about serial killers and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's um there's not much research either really, is there, on serial killers because thankfully there's not that many. No. Um the saddest the worst thing I ever saw was a serial killer who used to be a contract killer for the mafia. And he was being interviewed by this psychologist and he was there very uptight and the psychologist said what would you like to know he said why am I like this and he said well you've got traits of being a sociopath and a psychopath he said would well is there nothing that could be done he said well it does depend partially on environment if you'd had a loving environment it might have helped you to mediate some of the worst aspects. But you were brought up by an abusive father who abused your mother, abused you. And he said, have you ever abused someone? He said, I abused my wife. He said, but he said, one of the reasons why you're so cruel is because you're sociopathic. In, he said, what do you mean? He said, you don't feel what happens to people. You know, you don't, you just don't feel it. And the reason you took so long to be caught was you never ever mixed with people. Whereas others were, because you're a sociopath, you just stayed with your family. Now that's been very, very um, strict because sociopaths and psychopaths can be very similar. But, he, but that was interesting. And the sad thing was, he said, what would happen if I said I could hurt your daughter? Just a, and he got up and he tried to strangle his psychologist, but they pulled him back. And that, the, it was still in him, even after all these years in prison. And that I thought was very, very interesting. He had the psycho, he was a psychopath, no doubt it, but the dominating thing, hearing thing was 
the um, sociopath that he couldn't feel for other people. And that's some of the things I've tried to put in the books. Um, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I could talk to you all day about that. I, um, I find it fascinating as well. So, yeah. <laughs> um, which of your own books would you like to be a character in? I actually quite like quite like this one, The Spymaster's Redeemer, I think, because she is psychic, slightly psychic. She's had a hard life in that she when her mum was found to be psychic and the kids when she was twelve at court realized this. They called her a witch, both her mum and her daughter. The daughter a witch. And she's got very unusual looks green eyes like a cat, which is why she's called Thea from Feline, and she's got really wavy hair with mauve through it, so she could look very witch-like. And she had to be taken from court, but she's a clever woman, she can code, she is a linguist, she's psychic, and when she finally meets and marries the hero from this book, she has such a great life. She can help. She, for a 19th century woman, she goes and works and codes for the security bureau that she's still in court. I think that would have been a really interesting period in the middle of a civil war, the fact she works in the civil war and helps some people. Yeah, um, yeah, that sounds really interesting, actually. Um, and if you could have been a character in any book throughout history, um, what book would you have liked to have been in? That's a difficult one, I have to think. Um, I'm struggling now. Um, I think it would probably have liked to be one of the Georgette Hare's um, heroines again because they they were intelligent they were bright clever but they had humor well, she she did write books with humor she was a terrible snob i found out i think she would like to have been one of the ladies in in her books but i think it was a fascinating period again with the battle of waterloo and things like that going on so i think that would have been interesting otherwise i wouldn't have minded being a heroine, one of the paranormals. I can't think of any title at the moment. To be to whizzed off somewhere, perhaps to a different century would have been fascinating. <laughs> um, is there any particular period of time in history that you'd like to go back to? I would like to have been in medieval times when the monasteries were still very important. Women had a lousy life in that they couldn't even decide who they would marry, and men as well. Men, um, if they were born into a certain class, they couldn't often move out of that class. But I think it, the, the breakdown of religion as an influence at that time, and the way society moved, the crusades, the wars, I think it would have been a fascinating time. Yeah. 
It would be um, it would be interesting to see it from our eyes. I think with our experiences as well, knowing differently. Yes, knowing how people how people live, and also the influence of religion, how it can affect people. There are there are some. There was a brilliant book, and it was called Beyond Courage. And I don't know what the author was, but he told the story of this man who worked for Prince Stephen and also for Princess Matilda as well, how he got caught up in the battles and how at one point he allowed his son to be hung over hot coals and to see if the king would let him get away with it, would to prove his honesty. And the boy could have died. But imagine living in, that's a true story, living in those those days. So I think it was a fascinating period. Beyond Courage is exactly what it said. We almost had to sacrifice his son. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, if you're able to spend a day with um, any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend the day with? Stephen King because I think Stephen King is a master of words. I don't particularly always like his re reading his books, but I do think he is superb in the way he can put an idea and stories down. And I also think he's a very generous person when he helps other authors. So I'd like to see his background and talk yeah. about him. Me too. <laughs> no Tolstoy question. One. Yeah, Tolstoy would be another one because, again, his, his ability to use language. Oh, and third one, Edgar Allan Poe would have been fascinating. What got <laughs> into his mind? I mean, some of our Dali was full of um, heroin and of, of drugs when he made his wonderful paintings, but what was Poe on? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, indeed. <laughs> oh, I've got a twisted mentality, Mark. <laughs> well, even Stephen King's got a history of um, of drug abuse and stuff, oh, hasn't he? So. That. Oh, that doesn't surprise me from the way he writes some of his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you made lots of author friends? Oh, well, I, one of the things, if you're an indie, it's very difficult, as you know, to market your books successfully. And I do belong to several groups. I belong to Solihull Writers, and that is mainly a, a group of people who just read their work out and sometimes criticise it, but it's very supportive. And we occasionally do talks where we read things out to the public. And New Street Authors, which you'll know as Helen um, uh, of A.A. Abbott, she, she does a lot of um, events, so I belong to those now. And I've been to quite a few events where I've done some talks on writing crime stories and romance and things like, like that. So I, I do try and support authors out there. Even if I'm not doing a talk, I still go there because you meet so many contacts. And if you're an author and there's only about three in the room, it's not very nice. So I do do enjoy meeting other authors and regularly. And I go to, before lockdown, 
I used to go to about two or three a week of reading events. Even if I wasn't reading, I used to go there. And the very most indie authors are very supportive of other people, as you probably know. Yes, absolutely, 100%. They're great. Um, and I hear that all the time as well, so I know that it's not, you know, people saying that for the sake. Yeah, it's it really is genuine. Mm. I mean, I've made great friends as well by just by doing this and speaking to people. So, yeah. One day, if we could if I go to America, I can actually meet, or Canada, and meet some of the people there. You know, if I, we're going to do a trip one day through America, it might be possible to do some of your events and meet authors I've met online there which would be nice. Yeah I mean I spoke to people in um, Australia, Spain, um, Turkey, America, Canada I think so mm-hmm. yeah I don't think I could meet them all but some of them would be nice. A few of them it would be nice. I've met a few in England who I wouldn't have met otherwise except at these events so I met them Go in later and let them. Um, and do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? I don't get enough actually. I do get some. What I do though is involve. I'm on a review, a review uh, site. One of the ways to help indie authors is to get get um, books sold is to get reviews. And I do work on a, on a, I'm an admin on one of the review sites on um, Facebook, the Fantasy and Romance Review Book site. And you do get feedback. What I like from that site is, is there something wrong with the book? They don't just slash it or slam it. What they'll say is, not really happy with that. We can't give you a good thing, but if you go back and amend it and send it back to us, We'll read it again and see if we can give you a good review. Now that's valuable. That's the way we tend to operate on that site. We don't just give good reviews for safety, but we don't slam authors either. So that's where I do get feedback more than anything. But I do invite feedback from my readers as much as possible. And I've now started getting a little group of beta readers as well, which is very helpful. They're marvellous when you can get good beta readers. And I'd be to read for others now. And I've just done a, a proofreading and editing course so I can do more of that for other people as well and swap that with people. But I don't do review swaps, so that's totally against Amazon's policy. I won't do that. Yeah, I, I until I um, got properly involved, I didn't realise how crazy their policy was. Yeah. It seems like on the one hand, they're giving you the easiest way of getting a book published and then the other, making it as difficult as they possibly can for the author. I don't really get it, but... It's so if you break them, you're in trouble. So the, the rule is, if you go onto a review site, always keep a list and don't do it. Don't review other people's books if they've reviewed yours. That's my rule, because you, you can get banned for a while. Mm. And lose all your reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard for <laughs> generally. Yeah. You write books. You write. You write no, books. I want to. Um, if, but I figured I should probably finish my degree first. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
but um yeah it's it's on the cards definitely um soon yeah talking to everyone has made me really want to so yeah <laughs> um totally forgot what i was gonna say then totally i've gone off track <laughs> Um, what's the most interesting thing you found whilst researching your books? Actually, it was I was looking at the Regency books and Thelia and witches, and I saw the discrimination against women. I'd always taught law and discrimination, but I didn't realise that for many till about okay 17 16 7 or 9 something like that if a man murdered his wife that would be murder and he would get hung fair enough yeah that, that was the rule of the day if a woman murdered her husband and there was a specific case of a lady called elizabeth who was deemed to be a nymphomaniac as well she she slept with these men who then murdered her husband and she claimed he'd beaten her up and everything. But you can imagine the papers, a woman, nymphomaniac. This is this is really interesting, reading the excerpts, excerpts of the paper. And she was a bit of the devil. <laughs> she stupidly allowed them to cut his head off and instead of getting rid of the head, threw it in a, in a, in a river, I think in the Thames or something, and it was found. But the interesting thing, when it went to court, was a woman who murdered her husband also is involved in larceny, petty larceny. And for that, she could be burned to the stake. Whereas a man would just get hung, she, poor woman, she could be burned to the stake because your husband was your master. You know, <laughs> and a servant who murdered their master would have the same fate as well. So she... They did actually um, partially garrota, which is a garrota, so that when she went on the stake, she wouldn't feel it. everything. It didn't work, so they had to batter her in the head with um, someone in the crowd, batter her in the head with a piece of wood. But it showed you how much discrimination there was, and much worse deaths for a woman who murdered her husband. Most of us probably would have loved to have done that a long time. <laughs> but <laughs> her husband. Oh, and the other reason why people decided it was a bad idea was it could excite men if a woman was hung from the gallows and her body would be writhing. That's why they decided <laughs> to, 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 to cook her instead. <laughs> Laugh, but it's horrific. It is, but oh my gosh! <laughs> Different times now, thank goodness. But that was interesting. I thought. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to go read more about that. Well, kind of, and kind of don't actually. Um, yeah. No, well, it wasn't some again nightmares for a few nights. Yeah, never. Not like some of the law stories, which were quite funny. That I used to, <laughs> to read out. Not paid for reading stories. <laughs> um, what do you do to celebrate when you finish writing a book? Well, now I have a meal and a drink usually, if we can. 
underwater for a while, but that would that would be it. Go out, or even better, go on holiday because it coincides. Because we we used to did used to enjoy going on holiday before COVID. Yeah, that has kind of ruined everything. <laughs> um, and what do you enjoy most about writing? I think I enjoy the characters because uh, there's nearly always conflict in my characters, good and bad, or just romantic conflict. And I do like the dialogue and relationships between people. I like to develop a character around a character, then throw something in that makes me, oh, I'm not sure if I like that person. Oh, later, yes, we do explain why he was or she was. I love the characters and the interrelationship and dialogue and things. I'm not very good at description and um, of clothes and I'm thinking looking trees and landscape. That does nothing for me, really. I want to know why people tick and what they do. <laughs> um, do you have any phobias and would you write about them? Oh God, I believe or not, you would not I used to have a shocking phobia when I was five. It was worms. Because somebody put a worm down my neck, my cousin. And it took me years to even be able to garden because of worms. Just watching a worm and to walk around it. I couldn't walk over it. And yeah, so snakes, big worms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like big snakes. I love big snakes. The pythons have touched one of those. They're lovely. But little snakes, they're usually the evil ones, the poisonous ones. I don't like snakes much. Although <laughs> I've had a corn snake on my arm, I didn't like that. But yeah, snakes are a bit. Snakes, yeah. But um, there's not much else to get my tarantulas or. Knocking on rats. I think my cat brought them in and chased them around the kitchen. No snakes. I think snakes and worms. But yeah. I, like I like reptiles and other animals. There aren't many animals I don't like. Don't mind spiders. Yeah. I wouldn't probably. I, I usually put something like that in the books, like spiders or snakes. But so it doesn't bother me writing that as long as I'm not here. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you absolutely won't ever write? One thing I will not do is actually write a rape thing. I refer to rape, but I will not write rape. I've, I mean, something like whisper softly, the, the guy or girl no, not sits with you and kills people. And that doesn't bother me at all. But the physical concept of rape, of the fear, that I think is something I would find repulsive. I might refer to it if someone has been raped, but not, I'm I, I, not acting on so much graphic violence in that sense, because it's power that I don't like. Mm. I would, I've never written rape. Um, in a normal world, what do you like to do when you're not writing? In a normal world, um, 
I like to travel. Okay, I liked my first favourite place I went to was Costa Rica. Beautiful place, beautiful people, lovely climate, lovely beaches, and I would love to learn to do sabacra or snorkeling. Um, I like to ski, providing I ski nice sunny days. Like the man I met once, he proposed home there on sunny days. <laughs> My sort of skill. Um, I I draw and I paint, and so I like to start drawing cards and selling those things like that, drawing posters. But most of the time, it's sports. I'm not a lover of watching sport, but I do like going to the gym and swimming and dancing, Zumba, things like that. And a bit of garden, as long as it's nice weather. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you get much time to read? I do, well, I do because I read, review these books. I do read. Um, I cite is mainly paranormal, so I read a lot more of that than I would if I wasn't on this site. But certainly I do read. And unfortunately, I've been watching an awful lot of crime things late at night after nine o'clock. And I really should go and read those books, like Inspector Bates, New Tricks, um, you know, those sort of, that's the sort of thing. And um, Waking the Dead. I'd love to go back and read those books because they're phenomenal by the way they're written. And I'd like to write scripts like that. If I could write like that, I'd say I'm an author, you know, I'd really, I'd be delighted. Um, and what is your biggest dream as an author? I think it would be nice. Obviously, to be a bestseller would be nice, but I think it would be nice that people said, that book really inspired me to write myself, something like that. I really enjoyed that. Or for children, I'm going to start, um, I'm going to school soon to talk about crime writing with them and psychology of crime, the sort of thing I do. And I really like somebody say, yeah, that made me want to become a lawyer, or that made me want to write crime books. Write books, that would be interesting. Not just me doing well, but these kids, because I've met, I've Tutor some children and they've gone and said we can write books because we didn't enjoy reading but now we do and we enjoy writing so that's one of the most interesting rewarding knowing a child or an adult a dyslexic adult can now enjoy writing well that's lovely yeah <laughs> which is when they tell you we, we really we used to hate writing but we like it now it's good yeah, definitely. Um, especially nowadays with technology, I imagine it's harder than ever. So yeah. if you can get a couple of kids reading and writing, then that's amazing. Yeah, it's surprising how many kids are interested. But I had a boy who hated, he used to cry, he used to read. And then his mum made him work with me for, for a year. And by 14, he was reading To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm loving it. He was a slow reader, and once he got to read fast through practice, he took off. He spent a lot of time on the Greek myths, and gave him an interest. <laughs> it worked. But I, 
Hannah Sam was sort of person when I was a kid, if I was bored by something, I wouldn't spend time on it. I got told by, at school that my mum was told at painting, that your daughter will never put effort into anything if she doesn't find it interesting. So I know where they're coming from. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I get that as well. <laughs> Not as good when you're doing a degree and you hate chemistry and there's lots of chemistry I've found. <laughs> Um, I, I was doing certain things in languages and law, certain things in jurisprudence. Could be taught beautifully, but it wasn't when I was teaching. Get to it as quickly as you can and get the best mark as quickly as you can. <laughs> it sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, God, it's great testing, isn't it? Iyakoyaki, I think. The mountain uncle. I didn't like the other one, he was too small. But I think he, I always remember him. Yeah, Iyakoyaki. It's a shame, he looks as he, he, he's got, it, got old and grotty in um, NCIS now. He's playing that dotty doctor, but he was great in that. <laughs> <laughs> He's still an interesting man outside of television. Mm. He's, he's great at playing the eccentric doctor. Mm. Yeah, I love that question. Everyone sort of goes <laughs> off to, <laughs> to a long time ago. <laughs> Do you remember, you remember, I don't remember the first series of the name from Uncle. Mm. It, uh, I don't think so. No, no. It's a long time ago. Mm. Mm. Um, are you working on anything at the moment? Um, what's coming next for you? Right. Yeah, well, I've started paranormal, and it's a medieval paranormal, which is making life difficult because having in the past, um, someone when I've done the Regency stuff, someone says. Women didn't have painted nails in Regency days. Well, actually, they did. Women painted their nails as far back as 1659 in Paris. And the person who painted their nails was actually a woman of bad repute. You know, so it wasn't a nice young virgin who, who wouldn't have painted their nails. So I have to be very careful now that um, everything's got to be accurate, really accurate. So I decided to create my own world. It's going to be a paranormal world, not possibly on the Earth. It might be a country on Earth, but definitely it's more likely to be another world so I can make up my own details. So if someone says, didn't have nights in 1560, it did in my world. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about a man, Blake. He's a young man and he meets some, well, he's, he's being beaten by his stepfather, who's very, very cruel. And he sees this woman or man, this poacher, can't see exactly what it is. And thinks they're going to be kissed. They're, if they're poaching, they're going to get caught. And then later on, his stepdad's back in him. And the archer, the poacher, shoots the stepdad dead and saves him. And they meet later because these people take. So these two go, and he separates and goes and works 
as a stable lad and becomes eventually the favoured knight in the era that he meets this poacher later and their lives are intertwined. And he wants to know why his dad married this, his, his mum died, his dad married his servant and the servant girl, for some reason, had to leave with him. And she went to the inn to work and she married this innkeeper. And he doesn't know, didn't even know his name. He only found it out in the diaries, his first name. He doesn't know his second name. He doesn't know his daddy. And the same with the archer. The archer doesn't know that person's um, background. And both of them develop powers and so get older. But someone wants to use those powers. So that's what it's going to be about. And I'm great fun with that. But I've really got to be careful on all the details of clothing and so I may not use the word knight, I might just use the word warrior, and that would make life difficult. <laughs> <laughs> After being told we're going to go love male boys. <laughs> oh, people are so picky, aren't they? <laughs> oh well. They wouldn't have fun otherwise, would they? No, this is true. <laughs> Um, well, I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked. No, I think you've covered most of it. Thank you very much for letting me chat and having some fun with my books. You're more than welcome. Um, before we go, do you just want to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books? Yeah, sure. I'm on Facebook under Dawn Bolton, but my two pen names are Alexi Bolton with a history historical novels and Tony T-O-N-I Bolton with the um, crime and romantic suspense novels and you can get me under Amazon the romantic history books are under the title Drader's Men and the other ones are Men of Valor, Women of Steel so you can find those under Amazon most are on KU. Some are actually off the they're being edited, but nearly all of them are on KU. And I hope you enjoy them because I enjoyed how great fun writing. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. Anyone who wants to be an author, take the plunge, it's worth it. Even if you can't sell loads of books, you still have fun and meet nice people. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Lovely. Thank you.